Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abraham Zalunga. Today we'll hear from Marlon. After his divorce, Marlon took a retreat and awakened himself in a way that he'd never had before. Here's what happened. I want you to breathe all this in. You're listening to You Had Me at Black. Black. Right in the heart of the city. Black. Man, listen, man. Black, black. (laughs) This is You Had Me at Black, and we live, baby. Amazing experience to see such a dense sea of melanin. This is powerful. Hello. Hello. Um, after Deep got finished, I decided that I changed my mind. Um, I'm grateful to be here. And I answered the phone, and all I could hear was her breathing. And then from the silence, she spoke in a way that was more grounded than I've ever heard her speak before. And she said... You've become more of who you are than you've ever been in your life. That's not who I married, and I want a divorce. She was right. Um, I knew that my daughter, who's a six-year-old, would be, like, torn to pieces. Her name is Phoenix. Y'all say, what's up, Phoenix? What's up, Phoenix? She'll hear this someday. I knew she would be broken. I knew that she would be torn. But my wife was right. I had evolved to become a different person than the one she married. You see, the person she married was a local pastor of a church, and his mission was to take a group of artsy people and to turn that group of artsy people into a mega church. But um, unfortunately, I am a disruptive innovator. I mess things up for good reason. So the church then became an art gallery, and the art gallery then became a restaurant. We kept cannibalizing ourselves over and over again, and I was left to deal with the shit in my marriage because you can't change jobs that many times when you're married like that. (laughs) And stay married like that. I recognized that the thread that was woven into the fabric of every change and everything that I had to deal with was yoga. Yes, yoga. I know y'all see a black man up here talking about yoga, but I'm a yoga practitioner. And yoga was the thread woven into the fabric of how I processed the shit to fertilize my future, right? So what ultimately happened was that um, a friend of mine, Danielle Fanfare, asked me to go practice yoga when I told her I no longer wanted to like exercise just to exercise. And y'all, I went to the YMCA downtown to practice yoga and it was love at first sun salutation, right? I mean, the breathing in and out, the dristy or the focus, setting your gaze on something. Yoga made me question everything about my life because yoga is nosy as hell. In every pose, it asked me questions like, what did you want to release off your mat like you were releasing air on your mat? What, what did you want to set your focus on to create balance off of your mat that you were setting your focus on to create balance on your mat? Yoga was influencing me in ways that I had never been influenced before, but it just wasn't perfect. Because the yoga studio that I practiced at, I was the only black male, which meant that oftentimes when I walked in the class, it was all white women, 
And many of them assumed that I had like walked into the women's restroom is what it sort of felt like. They were covering themselves up, like watching me everywhere I went just to make sure, I don't know, I wasn't a nigga with an attitude trying to steal a look. <laughs> Ultimately, I decided that I was going to practice in the front of the room so I wouldn't be distracted by them looking at me and me seeing them looking at me, right? So I practiced in the front of the room. Lo and behold, all the experienced yoga practitioners always practiced on the front row in the studio. So to the left of me and to the right of me were the dopest yogis in the city, many of whom were teachers. I was a spiritual teacher at the time, but these spiritual teachers, they had depth, but they also knew how to kick it and have fun. They kissed each other in the mouth. It was disgusting and divine at the same time. <laughs> these teachers taught from the soul, but they frolicked all over the earth as if they were spirits and boundless. I said to myself, self, that's the kind of teacher I want to be. The next day, my teacher and the owner of the studio came up to me and said, Marlon, would you like to become a teacher? She said, we're going on a 21-day immersion to Panama, and it's only $6,000. <laughs> I ain't never heard only in $6,000 that close together. <laughs> Y'all, I had the desire, but I did not have the dollars. Seven days later, can you say seven days later? Seven days later. A dude who left our church because as we transitioned, from one thing after the next, we lost over 500 people who were connected to our church. I had lost my marriage and I had lost my ministry at the same damn time. One of the members who had left called and said, hey, I want to talk to you. I went to his house. I walked in. His wife was sitting on a couch to the left. He was sitting on a couch to the right and they asked me to sit on a chair in the middle of the two couches. He said, God wants me to tell you something. I was like, oh, cool. I'm ready. He said, God wants me to tell you that you've spent most of your life serving him by serving others, but you have not served yourself. He said, you've cared for others, but you haven't cared for yourself. You too have desires in your heart. Then he asked his wife to go get the checkbook. She came back. He opened up the checkbook. He put his pen to the pad. And I promise you, he said, what do you desire that you don't have the dollars for? Three months later, I was on a bus headed to Panama City. Man, you can't imagine how beautiful it was leaving Panama City, going to Kambutal. Well, I would practice yoga for 21 days and learn to become a yoga teacher in the jungle. Dude, when I finally got to my room, I recognized that my bungalow, the backyard of my bungalow, like, was an ocean. And so there was this stream that came down from the mountain into the ocean. And when I first got there on day one of 21 days, I stood in the stream and the water was moving past my heels and tickling my toes. And I can literally still hear the symphony of silence with the ocean and the water moving. And I said to myself, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> you're, you're a nigger. <laughs> and you're changing your career from a pastor to a yoga teacher, they make $25 a class. This why your ass got divorced. This why she left you, shit like this. This is it. I was in paradise and hell all at once. 
we continued in the journey, and it came time for us to do hands-on assists. Hands-on assist is when a yoga teacher not only uses his or her words to communicate language, to put a person in a shape or in a pose, but you also use your hands, you use your body. And I recognized that I had a problem with touch when it came time to do hands-on assist. Because I said to myself, self, don't you know that the black male touch is oftentimes either hypersexualized or criminalized in our culture? And so if I put my hands on one of these white women in the wrong way, Right? Shit can go down. They got the popos out here too. Popos in Panama locked me up. Honestly, like I was broken. And before the end of the class, I literally ran out and ran to my room, like just like that too, like arms flailing. <laughs> and when I got to my room, I just wept. And I wept over a lack of control that I had over my own sense of intimacy, over a lack of control I had over my own sense of um, touch for me and about me. So that night we had a party, and the party was to celebrate the first week of us having been out in Kambutal practicing yoga 16 hours a day, doing inquiry for four hours a day, and barely getting sleep. But this party was amazing. We laughed and we drank and we drank and we laughed until we reduced ourselves to the least common denominator of our personalities, if you know what I mean. And then these, these folk, you know them folk, they started to run towards the ocean and they started taking off their clothes as they were running to the ocean. And I took my shirt off. I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. But they started taking everything off. I was like, niggas don't skinny dip. <laughs> Some honey dips that are skinny, but niggas don't skinny dip. <laughs> so as we got closer and closer to the ocean, I had a choice. And that choice was to do what I had always done when it came to protecting my image as a safe black male, or to say, fuck it, I'm going to get naked with a bunch of white women in, <laughs> in Panama. Another brother was there with me, and he and I looked at each other like, man, we going to do this? I was like, nigga, you know, 200 years ago, we would have been lynched for some shit like this. I was like, fuck it. As soon as we got to the edge of the ocean, y'all know it came down to the draws. You know, the draws, that's the last, that's the final straw. I was like, ah. Uh, <laughs> ah. I took them hoes off, I jumped in that water. I felt more free than I ever felt in my life. I smelled white privilege. I felt white privilege. I was like, shit, I'd be fighting for this shit too. I wouldn't give y'all shit. <laughs> if I could do this. And I promise, I promise, as we stepped into the ocean, you can see like this lightning striking into the ocean, off into the distance miles away. And they were not fireworks, but I felt like they were fireworks going off, representing the Emancipation Proclamation of my new possibility, right? The very next day, it was time for us to do hands-on assist, and the girl who was my partner gave me permission to be the um, honest intimator that I was, and I put her in the shapes. I had no problems doing it because I felt free. Well, every single day, I would run from my bungalow down the beach to this rock formation that was like two stories high, 
And before the sun would rise over the mountains, I climbed the rock. And that's when Scissor first came out. Y'all know that, that joint gets you emotional, right? And so I was like dancing the Scissor on the rock like every day before the sun came up. And I would know when it was time for me to go to breakfast because as my eyes were closed, I could feel the warmth of the sun hitting my face as an alarm to let me know it's time to get off the rock and go to breakfast. But on this day, like the day after I had successfully done assists, I let it linger. I took my earbuds out and I allowed the ocean to serenade me into sweet nothings and everythings. And then my hips just began to move and I was just dancing to myself, with myself. And I decided on that rock that I would love and ravish myself every fucking day like a new lover. In that moment, my heart was beating spiritually, like my, my sense of self-love was rising. And when I opened my eyes, I looked down and saw that I had a boner. <laughs> I think my brain was trying to process this sense of intimation, this sense of intimacy, and it got confused. <laughs> but I wore that boner with pride. I stepped up in the breakfast just like this here. Good morning. My friend, she's not laughing. Good morning. They look just like you. Mm -hmm. I pointed it in her direction. Ultimately, I got my certificate and I also got self-love. So when I got home, I had not seen my daughter in 21 days. And I showed her the certificate, we laughed, we played, we played, and we laughed, and it was time for bedtime. She goes to bed at 7.30. But I said, you know what, it's 6.30, why don't I sit down and talk to my baby girl before she goes to bed? So we laughed, and we talked, and we talked, and we laughed. I thought 45 minutes had passed, but I looked at my watch, and do you know, guys, that four hours had passed? And I leaned forward, and I said, Phoenix, I said, baby, Daddy is so proud of you. In the 21 days that Daddy has been gone, you have grown so much. What you say about what you think and how you think it is so powerful. Daddy loves you so much. And then she kind of smirked. I was like, what? She leaned forward and she said, Daddy, I always talk like this. She said, you just never listened. Then she leaned forward and touched me on my knee. And she said, Daddy, I'm proud of you for growing in the past 21 days. And then she tapped me on the knee and said, good night. <laughs> she went to bed. She left me there crying and melting and listening for the very first time. Thank you. This episode was mixed and mastered by Miles Dotson. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. If you want to hear more stories like this one, leave a review. You're listening to You Had Me at Black.